Family, that word family is so powerful. Just saying the word family can bring pictures to your mind. And for some of us, it brings images of smiles and warm thoughts. And and the thought of family brings joy. For others, though, it can be painful. There are broken relationships in the family. There is anger. There is disappointment. There is hurt. There can even be memories of abuse. And I have to tell you, when I hear those stories, it breaks my heart. It honestly wants me to whack people upside the head with a two-by-four to wake them up. They're messing up a great blessing from God. Family is one of the great blessings that God gives us. And I think we know this, but sadly, so many families could be described as dysfunctional. Dysfunctional families result from a variety of reasons. Maybe the members don't play their part. Or they're just lazy. Or maybe they don't care. Maybe they don't even make an effort to be part of the family. Some want the family to do things their way all the time. They can be selfish. They may not be committed to the family. That being said, every single family has its dysfunction. It's called sin. Addictions, bad habits, poor attitudes, bad choices, all those things, they hurt the family. They cause pain, and we, and when I say we, I mean every single one of us, we contribute to some level of dysfunction in our families. The truth is, we could spend the next hour talking about the dysfunctions of all of our families. But instead of focusing on the the negative, I'd like to talk about those good families. I'm talking about the, the families that bring joy and contentment to all the family members. And I, and I have to start by telling you all that I'm blessed. I am part of a great family. We aren't perfect, but we're definitely fun. We love each other, and we show it. And so with that in mind, I got just a few observations about what makes families really awesome. The first one is everyone is happy to be together and to be part of the family. Pretty straightforward, but they're they realize what a good thing it is that they have. And then second, strong families love each other deeply. They might joke around. It's possible that they tease each other. But the teasing is done in love. Overall, their words could be described as edifying. They build each other up. And they don't just care for each other with words. They serve each other. They go out of their way to make life easier for a spouse, a child, or a grandchild, or even a sibling. And their love is demonstrated both in words and by their actions. Now when these families gather for a dinner, each person plays their part. They play their role. Mom, the daughters, and granddaughters might do the cooking. Certainly, though, the guys can cook as well. The grandkids set the table. Brothers and sisters clean the table and wash the dishes. And dad and grandpa... They sit on the couch and watch TV. (laughs) Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? After all, Dad and Grandpa are the patriarchs of the family, right? 
Right, yeah, see, we deserve to sit. Amen. Well, not really. The point is, is in the best families, everyone contributes. Each person has a different role in that family, and they bring their talents to the entire family. And, and then also, in great families, there is this indescribable energy that's evident when everybody's in the house together. You, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, but it's just, it's there. When it's time to say goodbye, there's just a bit of, of sadness. You hate for the time to end. And then, of course, in the best of all families, Jesus is at the center. Everybody in the family loves Jesus. And everyone thanks Jesus for giving them such a great family. In the church, the church is like a family. Bethesda is a family. We talk about it a lot, but we are a family. And like all families, there are some great parts of a church family, and then there are some parts that are just a little bit dysfunctional as well. And so let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together this, in this building this morning. We thank you for the church family that you've given us. We thank you that each one of us has a role to play in building this family that is known as Bethesda. Father, we also know that we often fall short. Forgive us when we don't give you our best. Help us to be peacemakers. May we edify each other with our words. May we work to build your son's church. And help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the foundation of our church. He is our leader. Jesus is our savior. And in all we do, may we glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a few moments ago, Laurie and Amber read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. They read the entire chapter. In the last few weeks, if you haven't been here, we've been working our way through the first chapters of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. Last week, we talked about wisdom. And this week, Paul doesn't speak as much directly to wisdom, but he does focus on it as he talks about building the Christian community. The Corinthians, they, they lived in a society that's much like ours. They were interested in climbing up that social ladder. They wanted to be seen as wise and mature and progressive. Much like our culture, the idea of self-improvement was extremely appealing. And like many of us, they, they wanted to grow in areas that when you get right down to it, aren't that important. Wealth, prestige, power. Corinth, though, was also a booming city. They were a city of what we would say today is diversity. People from all different backgrounds and skills lived there. It created an interesting and challenging city for a church to grow. And Paul was interested in bringing that Corinthian church together. In bringing this variety of people together in our passage, Paul used both agricultural and building images to make his point to the church. And he was making a point. And his point could be very simply stated as this, that each person has a role to play in building God's church. Each person has a job to do in building God's church. 
And the same is true today. And actually, you could say that the same is true for our families as well. We, here to this morning, we build the church family known as Bethesda. We build it together. We realize God's the owner. The church is built for his glory. And I need to be very clear here. The church is not the building. The church is all of you and me. And so with that in mind, let's take a look at what Paul had to say about building this family of God. And the first thing we see is that there are different jobs. In a family and in a church, each person has a job to do. In verse 6, Paul wrote, I planted, Apollos watered. And then he continued, he said, He who plants and he who waters are, are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. It's getting to be late February, and today is going to be warm. It's going to be nice. Of course, we're going to have snow again later this week. But when February hit, it means a few things in the Stalin household. And one of those things is that I'm ready for spring. And the second is I've already received, already ordered and received all my flower seeds for planting in our gardens this summer. Now, when it, when it comes to managing our flower gardens, there's different roles in the Stalin family. You see, I order the flowers, seeds. I start the seeds growing inside, and then I plant them outside. I keep them watered throughout the summer. And then there's my wife Mary's role. She weeds the garden. I hate weeding. I think she loves it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I was so close. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Well, last summer, <laughs> Mary was recovering from a bad car accident. And as a result, she didn't do her job. She didn't weed. And the gardens were filled with weeds. Now, Mary's work in our flower gardens is different than mine. And I will say, mine was more fun. But both of them were needed for our garden flowers to flourish. You see, Paul said that he planted and Apollos watered. Each one of them had a job to do. They were different jobs. God may have you in a different job. He may move you to a different job. But every job is important. Paul even suggested that the different jobs may have even deserved different wages. But they work together as one. And whether it's in the church or in our families or in our work jobs, we work together as one. Paul then went on to talk about building. He wrote this, he said, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building on it. See, Paul was the one who started this building project called the church in Corinth. But he wasn't the one that continued to build it. Paul did his part, and then he turned it over to other people to carry it on, to move it forward. Commentator Stephen Um wrote this. He said, Paul was saying that the church is a communal building project. We work together as one. And we all work together to build the church. And if we don't do that, the church will fail. It's, it's that simple. If we can't work together, this church known as Bethesda will struggle. It won't be what God desires it to be. And that means that we all got to pitch in. We can't sit on the sidelines. We can't say that I'm 
too old or that I'm too young. There's no excuse in saying that I, I don't have anything to offer. The fact of the matter is if God's got you here, he's got a reason for you being here. Now that reason begins with your own salvation, but it doesn't stop there. And the thing is, is that there are times when people in churches sit on the sidelines. We're busy. We're tired. We're burned out. We believe that maybe we did our part years ago and now we just want to sit back. We do go through different seasons of life and there are times in our lives when we can do a whole lot and there are times when maybe we just can't quite do as much. But far too often, we just make up excuses to not fulfill our role in the church. Everyone's busy. We're all tired. We all get burned out. You know, I don't think God wrote it down anywhere in the Bible that we get to retire from serving in the church. If something's important, you'll find the time and energy to get it done. And so pray about it. Ask God to show you how you can help build his church. And then do it. It's not that complicated. And I, I want to stop here in a second and say, I've been in this church a long, long time. And this is a church where people do come together, where people do serve together. And that's why Bethesda's been around for over 100 years. Well, beyond the church, they're, they're, God has us working on a few other building projects. And one of those is our family. Look at your family. Might be a good family, might not be so good of a family. But ask God to, sh to show you what you need to do to make your family stronger. To make your family more faithful to God. Paul's message can also apply to our work, our jobs. You know, we, those of us that are working still, we do our jobs to earn a living. We do it to support our family. But we have to also remember that we're working for the Lord. No matter what we do in our working career, we do it as if we're working for Jesus. Because you know what? We are working for Jesus. Our skills are different. The wages, the, the blessings of our work may vary. But whatever we do, whatever you do, it has great value to God. And God wants all of us to be on his building crew. And, and just as you and I are called to different jobs, there are different building materials. In verses 12 through 15 of our passage, Paul wrote this. He said, Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. And he's talking about when he returns. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only is through fire. Even the, the best builders struggle if the materials they're using to build with are poor. And I have to confess, long ago I finished a basement in our first house, and I didn't do a very good job. Here's my thing. I didn't know what I was doing and was trying to be as cheap as possible. On the outside walls of my basement, I used one-by-twos as my drywall framing. 
On the interior walls, I did use two by fours, but since I was putting up wood paneling, I figured I'd put those studs on 48 inch centers, which meant two by four, 48 inches, another two by four. A lot of space between there. My carpet was glued straight to the floor with no padding. And, and I think it looked nice. I mean, it was fine. But it could have been so much better. My building materials were either inadequate or poorly used. And I was so close to building a basement that would last. Now, in our current home, though, my workmanship in finishing our basement was much better. I used two-by-fours for all my framing, framing, and I had them on 16-inch centers, which, if you know anything about building, that's 16 inches apart. That's the way you do it. I bought a higher-quality carpet, had it put in with a pad. I had a professional do all the drywall taping and mudding. And the result of those better materials and application of those materials is a basement that's already lasted 15 years and will last another 20 years easy. And, and just a note here, you know, I don't claim to be too smart, but I've gotten smarter with age. When we remodeled our bathrooms, kitchens, and floors, I purchased high-quality materials and had a professional do all the work. <laughs> See, even I can learn. When Paul talked about building the church family, he, he mentioned two categories, basically, of building materials. The first was gold and silver and precious stones, and the, the second was wood, hay, and straw. Now, that, that first category, the imperishable materials like gold, those are going to last. The second group of straw and wood, if you've got a fire, they're not going to last. They're inferior. And so think of it this way. The imperishable have their foundation in the gospel. Those are the works that you and I do that are inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit. They demonstrate our love for God and our love for others. And these are the things that in our life that are going to last. These are the works that become our legacy. The, the wood and the hay, they don't have any eternal value. Such things can be equated to the result of human effort and boasting and pride and arrogance and worldly wisdom. They don't bring glory to God. They might bring glory to us. They don't build up the church. They don't build up the family. And they don't last. You know, in our culture, we often focus too much on the wood and the straw and the hay. We love our cars, we love our houses, we love our clothes, our phones, our computers, our status, our power, or whatever. And, and when I say that, these things aren't necessarily bad. They can be blessings from God to enjoy, but they ain't going to last. If we try to build our life, or we try to build our church or our family around such things, we're going to be disappointed, because you know what? They're totally fruitless. Again, the precious works that leave a legacy are those that show the love, we, the love we have for Christ, our love for others, and they bring God glory. And, and if you open your eyes and you look around this church, you can find them everywhere. They can be found in those who volunteer in leadership roles like the church board, those people who serve behind the scenes, the, the giving that brings food to people who are in need. Those who serve on church teams are supporters of this church. Those who merely give their funding to support this church and to support the missions that this church supports. Our teachers, our youth leaders, 
and our staff. And these and many more that I didn't mention are building on the foundation of Bethesda Church. And, and there's actually one very simple, incredible way to build the family of God. Show up. Just show up. Be here. Now, I understand that people are still very concerned about COVID, and I totally support them watching online. That's not what I'm saying. But in a church, in this church, in like so many churches, I think there's some people that have just gotten out of the habit of coming to church. I've read research. I've talked to other pastors, and many of them tell me that somewhere between 20 to 30% of the people that came to church before COVID aren't there today. Now, if you're watching online this morning, I applaud you. If you're here this morning, I applaud you because you were doing that. You showed up. And yet, I think in our culture, so many have gotten lazy. And, and I want to tell you, if you know somebody like that, someone who hasn't been back to church since COVID, and they don't have a good reason, politely tell them to get their butts back in church. Did I say butt in church? Sorry. How can you build God's church if you don't even bother to come? The church needs its members to attend. More importantly, all of us, I think we would agree that we need the church. We need the church because we come here to, to hear about Jesus Christ, to learn and to grow. We come here to have these friendships, this feeling of family that we have. We need the encouragement that comes from seeing each other. We need the challenges that I think we only find in church. And so I want you to help me get the word out. I want you to talk to someone maybe this week who disappeared over the last couple of years. Invite them to come back. It's a challenge. Challenge accepted. When we build our lives on perishable things that have no eternal value, know that God sees it. Paul wrote, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a word. If, the work any, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, one thing that's got to be real clear here is good works don't save us. Paul wasn't saying that. Salvation comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. But what he was saying is that our good works matter. And Paul said, we're going to receive a reward for those good works, and I have no clue what that's going to look like, but it'll be good. And, and those works that we do of little value, if we waste our time here on earth, we're going to have to answer for those. We'll be judged. We won't lose our salvation. Heaven is still our home. But I don't know, it might be uncomfortable when God asks us what we did with the gifts he gave us. Well, up to now, we've been talking about our jobs. We've been talking about our building materials. We haven't talked about the, the most important part of this passage, and that has to do with the foundation. I have some family that's building a house in a few months. I'm thrilled for them. It's a special time. And, and many of you know what I'm talking about when it comes to building a house, because maybe you built that house that you live in. Mary and I did the same. Others of you will maybe build a house in the future. And still others, even if you didn't have that building experience, you've enjoyed the, the work that was done years before you moved into that house. 
Building a house is exciting. It can also be stressful, but the stress doesn't last. You know, I remember when our house was being built. I came out every week. Every week I was out there in Fenton checking the progress. I was really excited when the walls started to go up and the roof went on and the rooms were starting to take shape. I was a little disappointed when they put the windows in and the doors on because I couldn't get inside anymore. But I'd still look through the windows to observe the progress. And looking back all these years at that, you know what, I, I paid very little attention to the most important part of that building process. The foundation. Exactly. If the foundation isn't right, the house isn't going to be right. A bad foundation means a bad house, no matter what you put on top of it. And it's the same with the church. The foundation, the entire Christian church, specifically this church and any other church, is Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.11, he said, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We have the perfect foundation. And that means that even though there's different jobs in the church, there's different building materials in our life, there is one owner. One owner. That's the third thing Paul said about building the church. There's one owner. You don't own Bethesda. I don't own Bethesda. Bethesda belongs to God. Verse 9 states, you are God's field, God's building. And it's the owner that brings the growth to the church. Paul wrote, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God owns it, and only God can make it grow. It doesn't mean we don't do our part, but we rely on the results from God. It's the owner who declares that we are God's temple and that his spirit dwells inside each one of us. It's the owner that reminds each one of us that we belong to Jesus Christ, that we are God's children, valuable and loved. It's the owner who keeps us on the path to wisdom. He keeps us humble. God blesses us. He gives us hope. As this building project called Bethesda Church continues, we need to remember some things. And that is, one, is that we all have different jobs. We contribute to the family, known as Bethesda, in different ways. Just as we contribute at work in different ways. Just as we contribute in our own families in different ways. We choose our building materials. And there's just a question there, is are we building with things that will last? And then third, we never forget that we're not the owner. God is. This family is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And together, we can build stronger families and a stronger church. And through it all, we remember that each person has a role to play in building God's church. And that he is the one who provides the growth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that through Christ you gave us this thing called the church. And Father, even though we, we enjoy a beautiful church sanctuary as we have here, we enjoy our church building, our grounds, we know that 
the church is the people. And that's even much more beautiful than any building or grounds. But Father, in the church, we struggle sometimes. We, we get too busy doing other things outside of the church, outside of the church life. We feel like we don't have anything that we can tr- contribute. And so Father, I just pray this morning that you would be with us. That you would show us how to build your church. It could be through our financial support. It could be through our prayers. It could be through just showing up and being here and worshiping together. Or it could be in hundreds of other ways that we can volunteer. Forgive us when we fall short. Give us the strength to get up again and to know that our salvation comes through your Son. Our good works don't save us. But once we're saved, we're called to work for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen. If you're able, please stand as our worship team comes forward to sing the closing song.